0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode thirteen of What Cause Inspires You. I'm your host, Alicia Gupta, and today I have with me Hana. I launched the What Cause Inspires You podcast as a way for students to share the service they're doing in their communities. We encourage youth like Hana, who are making a change to improve the world, to speak up about their stories and become a leader in the movement. Hana Looney is a sixteen-year-old menstrual equity activist and the co-chair of the Women's Empowerment Organization, MoCo Empower Her, in Montgomery County, Maryland. MoCo Empower Her is a women's empowerment and leadership development organization, providing free career exploration opportunities, leadership development workshops, and mentorship programs for middle and high school girls. Hana has been a driving force in the movement to ensure that all secondary schools in her state of Maryland provide free menstrual hygiene products in all bathrooms since 2019. We are recording this presentation and we'll post the video on YouTube by Saturday and the audio on Spotify by Friday. And a quick shout out to everyone around the nation who is listening in today. We love to to have you guys. I'm from California and I know Hannah's from the East Coast and I'm sure we have some Central Time people in there as well. I'm so excited to have Hannah here with us today to talk about this inspiring movement, and I'm sure all the listeners out there feel the same. Hannah are you ready?
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. Why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, um, I think you did a pretty thorough introduction, um, but uh, I, my name is Hana. I'm 16 years old, a rising high school junior. Um, I chair a women's empowerment and activism group in Montgomery County, Maryland, which borders Washington, D.C., so a super, super political place to be, Um, and I'm also a menstrual equity advocate. Um, For those of you who aren't aware of what that term means, um, I advocate for increased access and accessibility um, for menstrual hygiene
0: products, so that's pads, tampons, anything in between. Wow, that's amazing. And being 16 as an activist definitely does not come easy. And it's not something we learn at school either. So how did you get started um, as an activist and what type of activism are you most passionate about?
1: Yeah, so I think like a lot of other student activists, especially those of us who are in high school, I started in uh, student government around here. We abbreviated SGA for Student Government Association, Um, but I was super involved in middle school and high school. Um, I ran for class council. I was the vice president. Um, And, you know, I did all of the normal student government things like planning parties, events. um, But it got to the point where students would come to me with questions about uh, why we don't have particular holidays off, or why our standardized testing policy was the way it was, or um, things like, um, yeah, like menstrual hygiene products and why the bathrooms were kept the way they were. Um, And it became clear to me that Um, it wasn't an issue of school administration anymore. Um, I've been a public school student my whole life, um, so it's super bureaucratic. A lot of the changes that my students, my friends, my peers wanted to see um, were not able to be obtained through just talking to my school administration. Um, So that's where I started to really get involved in my county, um, being a student advocate there. in my state, advocating for different state policies. Um, and so, my career as a student activist really started in educational equity. Um, like I said, standardized testing was a huge thing that I started off doing, uh, school lunches, making them healthier, um, having more um, options available for vegetarian and vegan students. Um, but in 2019, um, I heard about a bill in my state legislature um, that was supposed to give um, free pads or tampons um, to every secondary school, so middle and high school in the state of Maryland, Um, and that immediately interested me. I heard about it, and I was like, this is the thing that I care about. Um, I really want to push this forward. I really want to work with my friends um, that I've made in student activism to push this forward, Um, and the bill was actually originally marked as a healthcare bill, and I was like, okay, that's that makes sense, but also I feel like it has a really huge tie to education. Um, Any menstruating student on this call or anywhere else knows that Um, if you're on your period um, and you don't have access to a pad or a tampon or whatever it is that you use on that particular day, um, you're gonna sit in the bathroom or try to make a trip to the nurse's office and what ends up happening is that you miss class. Um, So it was really clear to me that there was a disproportionate educational impact on uh, students who menstruate. Um, So that's where I sort of transitioned from educational equity to menstrual equity activism.
0: Wow, that's a lot. And that's, that's so amazing. I think it definitely takes a certain type of maturity to not only see a problem within your school administration, but something higher than that. I remember I was actually in student government in my um, middle school, not my high school, but you would have people um, running for president, treasurer, vice president, and their whole campaign would be like, healthier snacks or or less less healthy snacks um, or spirit days and things like that, but for someone to actually come up and say that we have a real problem in education reform and in menstrual equity in that field. So I'll probably, I see an activist and I see a student government um, associate, so a future politician in the making. Um, But speaking about that politics, can you tell me a little bit more about the Maryland House Bill um, 208 and what's happened since you started lobbying for the bill?
1: Yeah. um, So like I said, I first started lobbying for the bill in 2019. Back then, it was called House Bill 133. Um, So I heard about the bill. I um, organized some friends to go to uh, the Maryland State Legislature to talk to state delegates and senators about the bill. Um, And what ended up happening was there were some financial clauses in the bill that were super, super contentious. Um, So the bill actually ended up dying in committee. So after that, uh, the Maryland legislative session actually only lasts three months. Um, So I spent the next year um, meeting with delegates on their off days, um, talking to them about improvements they could make to the financial clauses, um, making sure that the bill would be introduced and improved in 2020. Um, And it was, and that's the bill that you're talking about, House Bill 208 in Maryland. Um, It was the same thing providing making all secondary schools, middle and high schools in Maryland, provide free menstrual hygiene products in all of their bathrooms um, uh, with some improved financial clauses to address the things that had been contentious before. Um, But unfortunately, because of coronavirus, um, only a certain number of bills were able to make it through this year, and this bill was not one of them. So. I'm continuing to work on it, hopefully third time's the charm, 2021, I have my fingers crossed, but um, yeah, that's, that's sort of been my journey with uh, the state legislature.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I get these ads on my social media accounts, on Facebook, on um, Instagram, and it's talking about organic products, menstrual um, hygiene products. Um, but I think to take it a step back and say that how are we even advocating for organic products when so many people can't even get a simple pad or tampon, um, that's something to really consider. And I love the work that you're fighting for um, to make sure that mental equity is the thing with all schools and all, um, all students.
1: Good evening, Dr. Smith and members of the Board of Education. My name is Hana Oluni and I'm a sophomore at Richard Montgomery High School. And tonight I'm here to talk about a basic human right that MCPS has failed to include in its operating budget year after year. Feminine Hygiene Products (laughs) Around a year ago, I met with state delegates in Annapolis to advocate for HB 133, a bill that would have required every county government in the state of Maryland to provide feminine hygiene products in public schools at no charge to students. Although many delegates were supportive of of the initiative, others told me that it would be too costly, an infringement on county autonomy, or even dangerous. As a result, the bill died in the House and never made it to the Senate. Now allow me to clarify, menstrual hygiene as deemed by the United Nations is a fundamental human right. So yes, (laughs) MCPS has supported state bills similar to HB 133 in the past. But because it has become clear that menstrual equity in schools is not a priority for our state legislature, it is imperative that MCPS take initiative. A state of the period study commissioned this year by the nonprofit period, found that one in five menstruating teenagers in the US struggles to afford menstrual products or is unable to afford them at all. And 84% of the 1000 teenagers surveyed said that they have missed class time because of a lack of access to menstrual products. The females in this room know that these numbers aren't shocking. After all, what do we do when we don't have a pad or tampon on hand? We ask a friend. And when no one is in the bathroom, we text a friend or our sister and ask them to leave class so that they can deliver one to us. All in all, the whole process probably results in a loss of five to ten minutes of class for both of us. This should not be normal. Keeping feminine hygiene products out of our school bathrooms is keeping girls and those who menstruate from getting an equitable education. And it's not an impossible task either. Our neighbor, Fairfax County, established a pilot program this year to supply bins stocked with pads at 37 different schools and found that because like MCPS, their school nurses already provide pads in their offices, the only real added cost was the cost of bins. (laughs) Members of the Board of Education, it is baffling that I am giving this testimony today in the year 2020. Over the past couple of days, there have been discussions of switching to two-ply toilet paper. (laughs) And uh, outrageous, it is truly outrageous that projects like that are being considered when one in five of our menstruating students cannot afford a fundamental human right. And so, as you determine how to best serve our students with over $2.8 billion of proposed funding, I ask you, is there not room for menstrual and educational equity?
0: Wow, definitely spoken like a true activist, Hanna. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so since the bill was turned down and then COVID-19 hit, how are you still able to help other girls in your community? Yeah, so
1: I was definitely very disheartened. Uh, that, that testimony was actually to my county, but um, I had been focusing more on the state level because I wanted to impact as many uh, people who menstruate as possible, but um, I was definitely super disheartened by the fact that it had been two years and still no progress had been made. Um, and I started thinking to myself about why that might be, why lawmakers still weren't able to see how mobilized students were on that issue. Um, And it, I started thinking about it and I started to realize that um, I think oftentimes it was the same students who were coming into the state house and who were coming into lobby over and over and over again. Um, And that's something I see with a lot of student groups that I've been a part of and that I haven't been a part of you see that um, student activism and um, the ability to be a student activist is built on top of so much privilege, right? Um, in order to uh, be able to make a difference in your community, you need to have the time to do that. You need to have, be able to have free time, which a lot of people don't have the luxury to do. Um, in my case, um, I needed to have the money um, and the resources to be able to travel to different places and a lot of students didn't have access to those opportunities. Um, so I started thinking about how I could prove to lawmakers that it wasn't just a select few who are super interested and mobilized on this issue and prove that it was uh, an issue with a larger base. Um, so my idea to do that was to bring the movement closer to home. Um, so instead of focusing on lobbying and government and all of that, um, I really tried to bring it closer to home and, to that, and it was uh, my school. Um, so I got together with my student government association at my high school. Like I said, that's where everything began, um, as well as the girl up club at my high school. Um, and we sort of got together. I got together with a bunch of my friends during lunch, um, to strategize what we could do to address the problem and address the fact that the bill wasn't making any progress. Um, and we, we put together what we called a menstrual equity week of action. Um, so it was a three pronged approach. Um, we, the first thing was to just educate the students in our high school about the issue of menstrual equity. Um, so defining what that term was, what menstrual equity means, um, talking about period poverty, the fact that um, low income, oftentimes black and brown students and menstruating people can't afford products, um, the fact that government imposed uh, what we call um uh, a tampon tax is often imposed on feminine hygiene products, making them even more unaffordable for uh, people. Um, so we did a huge educational campaign just on like things like the morning announcements and talking to people uh, just in the hallways, things like that. Um, the second part of the campaign was getting people politically organized, politically motivated, which um, in my mind was the original purpose um, and intention for uh, the week in the first place. Um, So we circulated a petition around my school for people to sign supporting the bill um, and we set up with the help of school administration and building services um, a table in our school where people could come and sit down and write letters to their uh, state delegates um, urging them to support the bill. And finally, and I think this is the most important part of the initiative we put together, um, we set up a donation and collection system where we had people donate unused, unopened, pads and tampons and we collected them in bins and then we redistributed them throughout the school. Um, So it was sort of this huge three-pronged week of action um, to bring the menstrual equity movement that again had been built on top of so much privilege and sort of um, bringing it back to the grassroots level um, and bringing it to students who were not able to get politically engaged before um, and doing a combination of both education and
0: mobilization and political action.
1: Um, so that was, that was pretty cool.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. And I love the fact that you brought menstrual equity as a week in your school. Um, we, we do celebrate other, other things, other um, holidays, spirit weeks for our school, but to actually dedicate a full week to learning and supporting on menstrual equity, that's amazing. Um, but that only brings me to the question as to how can we expand that or have you tried expanding it to other schools?
1: Yeah, um, so, um, I th- I've i thought about that for sure. Um, I definitely started with just my school because that's the community that I really wanted to help. I realized that I was so focused on doing this at the state level that I've been ignoring the community that was right in front of me. Um, but as we move forward to 2021 and actually making sure that this bill is passed this year, or I guess next year, um, I've we've definitely been reaching out to other schools um, in my county and in my state to sort of organize similar movements um, with leaders at their school who have reached
0: out to me saying that they're interested. So that's definitely something we're working on. And I only hope that this whole awareness movement is coupled with the fact that women shouldn't have to be ashamed if they're on their period or um, even shamed for it. I know there have been instances where a woman will be crying um, and there will be comments said about like, oh, it's probably just that time of month. Uh, There is no excuse for having that embarrassment or making someone feel embarrassed for something that's so natural and literally happens to the majority of girls. Um, So hopefully this initiative does bring more awareness to menstrual health in general. Um, Hannah, just on a side note, what are other projects that you're currently working on? I know you mentioned education reform.
1: Yeah, um, I mentioned at the beginning that I actually chair a women's empowerment group. Um, That was actually completely unrelated (laughs) to my menstrual equity work. Um, I had been involved with um, an organization called Moco Empower. Moco stands for Montgomery County, um, where I live in Maryland. Um, So I'd been doing work with them for a while, um, just in terms of uh, leadership development and female empowerment. Um, So I think that's. Part of the reason that I was so inspired to do menstrual equity work. Um, but yeah, in terms of other projects I'm working on with Moko Empower, ever since the quarantine started, um, I. Uh, took this organization that's sort of been in effect for a while, and I started a new initiative where um, we call it the Leadership Institute, where we take um, a group of students um, who are interested about learning more about women's activism and interested in bettering themselves as leaders and activists, um, and we take them through a three-month um, intensive course or fellowship, um, and we teach them about things like how to be a better public speaker, how to politically organize, how to lobby. Uh, more about uh, different uh, aspects of women's activism, like uh, what is intersectionality and what are microaggressions and what is implicit bias, Um, because I really wanted to provide a free and accessible program for people to uh, learn more about the world of activism and learn more about the history of uh, female activism. So yeah, that's just one thing that I've been working on.
0: That's amazing. And for all of our listeners out there, I can tell you planning a fellowship program like this is no easy task. Um, I remember, I think it was just last February, I was trying to plan a teen convention to raise awareness about similar issues, but more gender inequality, toxic masculinity. um, And that one convention took a lot, a lot of my time. So definitely a privilege to have that time. But it's amazing to see youth like yourself, Hannah, that use that free time to do good for the community. and use your privilege for good, so thank you so much. Um, just a few more questions before we wrap it up here, but I know we keep talking about the future of mental health equity, um, and, and just how you're gonna expand your, your platform, but what is the future for you in specific, and what do you hope to accomplish in the next five to 10 years?
1: Yeah, um, so I actually found out last week that I was accepted onto the Youth Advisory Council of um, the period movement. So I don't know if anyone's familiar, but uh, there's sort of, I would say national, but they're actually global now. Um, It's sort of the main menstrual equity nonprofit and organization in the US and abroad um, called period. Um, And they uh, were looking for activists 16 to 24 to sort of um, Advise them on programming and how to be more racially inclusive. So I was accepted onto that. It's a two-year position, so I'll be serving until I'm on college in college. Um, so that's that's something I'll be doing. Um, but yeah, I hope to go to college, um, study political science, economics, something in that realm, um, and yeah, maybe maybe go into politics to make sure that.
0: Oh please go into long. <laughs> I can definitely see you um, in that field and doing amazing things for all communities um, globally. Hopefully soon. Um, just one final question: How can others get involved with you and your projects?
1: Yeah. Um, so with Mokom Powher, uh, we have a website www.mokompowher.org. It is um, sort of a local organization, as implied by the name, but. Um, Now that everything is online, obviously all of our events and programming um, is open to everyone. We do have a couple of people who are outside of Maryland and the D.C. area, Um, so we'd love to have you. Um, I know Period, if you're interested in any sort of menstrual equity work, is a great resource to go to. They're always looking to build new chapters throughout the nation and internationally as well. So if you're interested in menstrual equity work, that would be the organization
0: that I suggest you look into. Thank you so much. And I will be attaching Khanna's Instagram, Twitter, and her email in the chat in case anyone has further inquiries. Um, As a young woman myself, I think that menstrual hygiene products should be provided for free everywhere. And the fact that they are not being provided is so disappointing. So thank you so much for sharing this incredible cause and all the work you're doing, Hana. Thank you, this was so much fun.